0: Hey y'all, I'm Sheridan Elliott, and welcome to Under the Influence. So today, we're going to talk about money. Oh yes, one of the forbidden topics to bring up with people or even within the church. And I can remember growing up and never hearing a single sermon about money. Finances are something that come from God. We are blessed because of Him. And I never understood why no one, no one spoke about the topic of money or tithing until I was about 25 years old and I was in a church in Dripping Springs and the sermon was over tithing. And I remember that day, it just completely rocked my world. It changed how I looked at money. It changed how I looked at tithing. And today, I just want to really share some of those teed points that I learned that day, but also maybe things that you'd never heard about tithing. Maybe you've never heard that word. Maybe you have no idea what that looks like. And so I just want to dig in, focus on what our first fruits should look like, And maybe how you can put some practical principles into your life to start doing that now. So in order to know how we should tithe, we have to know what tithing even means. Tithing, the word, means first tenth. And it it was commonly used as a means of setting aside a certain amount of one's income for God. But tithing is traditionally given to a local church, and the roots of tithing are found in the Bible. The concept of setting aside any portion of one's income begins within the first few books of the Bible. If you go in Genesis, Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel, they brought portions of their flock and their crops before the Lord. The idea was to set aside a portion of the first crop of the season to thank God for For the successful harvest. This general practice has continued through the Israelites and as they grew, and even as they were enslaved into Egypt. After God freed the Israelites from Egyptian captivity, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. During this time, their leader Moses passed along laws from God, and these laws were intended to separate the Israelites from the nations of God's chosen people. So the concept of offering your first fruits grew into offering God a tithe or a tenth of one's income. Leviticus twenty-seven thirty says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And these gifts were a reminder that everything belonged to God, and a portion was given back to God to thank Him for what they had received. The practice of tithing has continued throughout the Israelites' history, and eventually God established priests in a temple for worship, and he instructed the Israelites to bring their tithes to the temple as an act of worship. But tithes are used to help support temples and the priesthood, and the concept of tithing has changed and developed with followers of Christ for years and years after this. So where does it even say to tithe in the Bible? Tithing is not mentioned by name in the New Testament. And so if you're wondering, well, where does it say to tithe in the Bible? You might believe this means that the concept is not biblical, but it is. In the book of Matthew, Jesus was sharing with a crowd and he condemned the teachers of the law for their hypocrisy. They worked really hard to follow every law to the letter, but pay no attention to their heart. And Jesus would say, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth, but yet you neglect the more important matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. See, Jesus was not discouraging the practice of giving, he was reminding the religious leaders that giving was about more than just money. Giving to God was about a person's heart. It was one of the many ways a person could offer their lives and to dedicate themselves to God. And this sentiment echoes another time when Jesus expressed his frustration with the practices of the Pharisees and the leaders of the law. In Matthew 15, 8-9, Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are not but rules taught by men. See, because more than anything, Jesus is after the hearts of us. Financial giving only mattered to God when it was done with a worshipful heart. Because look, God doesn't need your money. We are talking about the creator of all creation. If he wanted it, he could create it. And if it was not in existence, he can make it pop out of thin air by speaking it into existence. He does not need your money but he wants to know where your heart is. He wants to know, is that money an idol to you? Do you trust that he is your source? Do you trust that he will provide your needs according to his riches and glory? Are you saying that I am so thankful for what you blessed me with that I want to bless others for your kingdom? Look, money doesn't make you happy, but it gives you options to bless the kingdom. How can we do that if we have a closed fist and never want to bless God for blessing us? You cannot receive or give with a closed fist. God has no lack, but he wants to know your heart. And he wants to know, do you trust him to take care of you? And I really think that that is where tithing comes in. Because a lot of us, money rules, okay? You can't do anything without money, right? Most things anyways. And if you constantly are just holding on and not wanting to bless somebody because you have to pay your bills or you have to do this, you are showing that your trust is in money and not in your provider, who is God. When the Apostle Paul was planning churches around the world, he spoke On the subject of giving. And he encouraged people to move beyond the tithe or the 10%. And in fact, there are three pieces to the New Testament in the giving we give generously, consistently, and joyfully. Paul encouraged the church in the city of Corinth to share generously. He says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 3. He then follows up with his encouragements by saying, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 6. So instead of prescribing a certain amount, the New Testament churches were simply encouraged to give generously. And I think there are so many ways that you can give generously. I know for me, I always say, Lord, show me people that I can bless financially to share your gospel. And you would be so surprised at him just putting those instances into your life almost immediately. A few examples were when my son went to get a haircut and we were just talking with the barber about you know school and how things were gonna get going. And he said that, You know, there were a few kids coming in today that he was gonna bless with a free haircut because they just needed it and it was time to go back to school. And I said, well, I wanna pay for those haircuts. And he looked at me like I had just fell off a rocker. And I said, well, your time is worth something and I wanna bless you for blessing them. That was just a simple way of using my money generously to bless those children and him and be able to share the gospel as well. Maybe the next time you're at the grocery store and the person in front of you is having to put back a few things because they don't have enough money at the time to pay for it, you offer to pay for it. And you just say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. God loves you and he takes care of you. And when you are able to bless somebody else, go do it. Share the blessing with someone else. It is truly that simple. And whenever you feel that nudge in your heart and you just know that you know that you are supposed to do that, don't be afraid for he is with you. Go do it, go be brave and bless his kingdom with financial blessings and being generous. Another goal is to give consistently. It's a declaration that God is first in our lives before anything else. And in order for this declaration to be effective, you have to be consistent. In Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, he wrote, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So the church was encouraged to set aside an amount of money to give each week. The goal is not for this to be a rule and you have to follow it, but a general principle to encourage you Consistently giving. Now, I had always grown up with the concept of tithing. I knew what it was, but when I got married and our finances were very slim, I tithed at the end. I would make sure all of our bills were paid and that we had enough food and that we had enough gas and then whatever was left over, that's what I tithed with. And when I heard that sermon on tithing and dripping springs about, oh, 10 years ago, it completely rocked my world. What I was saying with my money was, okay, God, you get my leftovers. But instead, I needed to shift my mindset of my God provides for me. And when I give him my first fruits, when I give him the first of my income, it's showing that I'm trusting he is going to provide for me that I don't have to make sure all the dots line up, that he will be my Jehovah Jireh. He will be my ultimate provider. And so I shifted, instead of paying my tithe at the end of the month, I changed it to the first of the month. And I knew exactly what my husband was gonna make. And I literally take 10% and I tithe it. And then throughout the month, as I see a need or I feel the nudge, I go do it and I do it generously. And even in some circumstances when money may be prioritized in other areas, I will say, okay, God, I had this money prioritized for over here, but if you want me to give and you want me to give it generously and consistently to X, Y, Z, then I'm gonna need you to help me provide to fill what I'm going to be replacing, And he always does. And he always has. But it had to be a mental switch from here's my leftovers to here's my first fruits. We are also called to give joyfully. See, joy comes from the Lord. And if God desires a person's heart, then the heart with which a person gives truly matters. Paul wrote again, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's Second Corinthians 9, 7. Paul notes that giving should be done so reluctantly and not grudgefully, but instead you should be joyfully engaging in giving. A joyful giver understands that this earth is not everything. This is why Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and Vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's Matthew six nineteen through twenty one. Givers understand the value of investing in the kingdom of God. Maybe God could encourage you to pay off a kid's lunch at your local school district. Maybe it's buying a kid a pair of shoes when you see that he's worn the same shoes all year and they've got holes on the side. Maybe it's buying a new backpack when they've had the same one for 10 years and the zipper won't even zip anymore. You have to just fill that void, give generously, and give continuously, and give joyfully. Now, I am also not going to sit on here and act like everyone just has a powerful money that can la da. I'm just going to give hundreds over here, and I'm going to give hundreds over there. No, I get it. And when Wade and I literally were pushing together pennies to go get gas so we could make it to town to go buy groceries, I totally was like, God, I don't have very much to give you but you know what he told me? Give your time, give your resources and what you offer me as your first fruits matters. I don't want your leftovers. I want you to show that you trust me with the first of your income. So even if you just make $100 a week, Showing that you're gonna take 10 of that and give it to Jesus and bless the kingdom with it is a huge deal. And I can remember when I was praying for a financial upgrade in our family, like we could have really benefited from more money. And God literally said, tithe with what you want. And I was like, yo, uh uh-uh, That is gonna set us back so bad. Like, I can't even wrap that around my brain. I am not gonna tithe as if I already have it. And right then, I realized that money was an idol to me. And I realized right then that I did not trust God to provide for my family. I was trying to make sure that our budget lined up because I'm a really good accountant, guys. Like, money and finance and budgeting, that is my thing. I am good at it. It is a gift that God has given me. But I was taking that and I was trying to control a situation. And I remember sitting there and going, okay, God, I'm going to start tithing for what we need, where we want our finances to be. And four and a half months later, I am not even kidding. My husband got a raise and we got that family financial upgrade. And I know it was because of my heart. I know that God was just testing me to see, are you trying to control this? Are you gonna trust me with your first fruits? Are you gonna trust me with your time? Are you gonna trust me when I say, that lady really needs a blessing today. She's really struggling and could use your help to bless my kingdom. She needs some love. She needs some encouragement. And you buying her that pack of rich crackers is gonna show Jesus to her. Okay, God, I'm on it. I might look like the crazy person, but I'd rather be crazy than disobedient. And I think that that shows where your heart matters. Guys, we need to talk about money. We need to talk about God has no lack. We need to talk about prosperity, but not in the, oh, she's one of those prosperity preachers. Oh, no, I am not saying that at all. I am saying that God provides for your needs. I can remember Wade and I literally laying our bills out at our, on our countertop in our old home and literally crying out to God, Lord, I don't know how these are all gonna get paid, but you do. I get emotional because I remember having such a closed fist and I did not give generously and I did not give consistently. And we were struggling. We were barely getting by. And now if you look at my life from the outside, you would think I have it all together and we just have it all made. But I am here to tell you that I am blessed because God has blessed my family. But there have been areas that we have had to grow and we've had to go through the hard and we've had to give God our first fruits when it was impossible to do. And I am no different than you. I'm just a small town girl in a Texas town that God said, you need to have a podcast. And this is what he told me to talk on. I encourage you, start giving your first fruits. He does not want your last. He wants to see where your trust is at. He wants to see your heart. He wants to know that if you literally have a penny in your pocket, are you going to give that penny or are you going to hoard it back with a closed fist and say, No, this is mine? Your heart matters. So let's give, give generously, give consistently, and give joyfully to God's kingdom. I love you guys. But most importantly, Jesus loves you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please share this with your friends, your family, and any form of social media. And do not forget to subscribe. I'm so pumped about this, guys. Let's do this together.